Hi, this is Cassandra Lee Morris, and you're listening to the Annie Monday Podcast. Please enjoy your weekly dose of random anime. Hello, and welcome to the Annie Monday Podcast. My name is Colin Hemphill. And I'm Kayla Hemphill. On our show, we roll the virtual dice and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Hello. Hello. We did it. We did it. Two weeks in a row. Well, I mean, I guess technically it's like, yeah, there you go. (laughs) At consistent intervals. A lot has happened in the last two weeks in (laughs) the world of anime. Yes. Um, But I'm sure we'll get to that later. Maybe. Anyway... Crunchyroll um, yeah. did a lot of stuff. Sure. And so we also have our own random button now. Woo. And so I'm having to change up the introduction. <laughs> yep. Which means I got to get that old one out of my head real quick. <laughs> Good thing we had that year-long break. Yeah. Well, on our previous episode, we hit the random button, and the fates decided that we were to be seated on the long, empty throne over a world called... Welcome to Demon School, Irumakun. Welcome to Demon School began as a manga series by Osamu Nishi in 2017, and it is still ongoing with 22 volumes so far. The anime adaptation started in October of 2019, and is also still ongoing with 40 episodes so far. Uh, I believe season 2 is in broadcast right now, and uh, episode 18 premiered this past Saturday. And uh, of those episodes, we watched the first four on Crunchyroll. So, Kayla, would you like to give us a synopsis of those four episodes? Irima Suzuki has never been given the chance to live a normal life due to his parents' neglect, so it's no surprise that they would sell his soul to a demon named Sullivan. Living out the rest of his life as a human in the demon world might come more naturally to Irima than he would have guessed. Yeah, um, so I guess let's start at that. What what you just mentioned about uh, Iruma's traumatic history with his parents, yes, which uh, is oddly dark as a kind of setup for this show. Essentially, that his parents like are slaveholders and just uh, boss him around and make him do manual labor to earn them money. And so we open with the show uh, with Iruma working on a tuna fishing boat. And he doesn't really seem particularly bothered by this. Like anytime he talks about his parents and the way that they treated him, he's just sort of like, yeah, that was the thing that they did. Okay. Yeah, seems awfully naive about their intentions because there is one flashback where we kind of briefly see an actual interaction with them. And they treat it as like, oh, yeah, we're praising you for doing such a good job all the time and helping us out around the house and all of this stuff. And he's just like, yeah, I'm trying to be a good son uh, and is completely oblivious to how poorly they treat him. And so the show immediately kicks off with him working on this tuna boat. And then he encounters the demon that his parents sold his soul to. And before we get into talking about that demon, I just want to note that this plot device 
answers the thing that we see all the time in isekais, which is, where is this person's family? Is nobody freaking out about this? We're just supposed to pretend that like nobody from their past life cares anymore. Mm -hmm. And this very much is like, nah, they don't. And you shouldn't either because they're bad people. Stop asking us. Yeah. (laughs) No, like uh, it didn't even really establish. In fact, it later establishes he didn't have any friends on earth. Yeah. And uh, was just kind of this isolated kid working in terrible conditions. Yeah. He didn't get to like go to school or anything. He just worked for his parents. Yeah. Or whatever his parents told him to do. And all of this to say that in addition to like kind of giving us an in into the isekai world, this also establishes two things about his character that I think are going to come up a lot. The first is that he's super good at dodging stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, it's not entirely clear like what the history of that is, but we immediately on the fishing boat see him like dodging tuna when the boat is rocking around. Yeah, he frequently seems to be put in working conditions that would cause him to be in harm's way a lot. Right. Which maybe that's saying something about like child labor sort of things of, yeah, often children historically have been put in extremely dangerous work conditions, which is why we now have a lot of child labor laws, at least here. I don't know what it's like in other places. Yeah, and the second thing is that kind of because of his uh, unhealthy relationship with his parents and their praise towards him and their request towards him, uh, he has grown up incapable of refusing any polite request that is made to him, which uh, is probably going to end up being real problematic later (laughs) in the show. I'm sure they won't abuse that rule. But anyway, like this leads to a lot of him just accepting what's happening to him or going along with something just because they ask, please. It me. Yeah, (laughs) sure. I guess so. I have worked very hard on my people pleasing skills. Uh (laughs) But all of this leads into very quickly... uh, Sullivan showing up Mm -hmm. and Sullivan is the old man demon who appears on this fishing boat, freezes the action, and prevents him from being squashed by a tuna, and uh, takes him away to the demon world. And Sullivan is what seems to be like a, a higher level demon of some sort, at least has accumulated some sense of wealth and reputation. And he has decided that he would like a human grandson to adopt. Yeah. Which is questionable and some and his servant does ask him like why why a human? He doesn't really have a good answer for it. He's just sort of like eh because I wanted one. Yeah, and and Sullivan up to this point in the show four episodes that we watched plays this off like he really genuinely cares about Aruma, wanted his whole life to have this grandson, and so he lavishes him with gifts, and he puts him in these nice quarters like he has never experienced in his life, 
And he loves like taking pictures of him. And oh, I'm gonna send you off on your first day of school. (laughs) Yes, he's always so excited for Irma. He always wants to, you know, celebrate him and you know give him the best of whatever. Yeah, and so like we don't know is are his motivations to accumulate more power by uh, subjugating this human. Who knows? Um, We've got several seasons to uh, probably figure that out. I'm going to probably think that it's not as malicious as it comes off. He does come off a little naive of just like, I keep putting Irma in harm's way because of what I think is best for him. But I was thinking back And Sullivan, unlike a lot of the demons, has a lot of knowledge about humanity. Like, he understands certain concepts that other demons have never heard of. I think Sullivan actually has a lot of faith. Like, he, I think he might understand something about, like, humans and their power, like, in the demon world. Mm -hmm. If they ever, you know, came to the demon world. And I think he is totally trusting Irma to just be successful yeah but at the same time he is a demon (laughs) and he's doing demon stuff true like uh you know he's sending aruma off to school but they don't have normal human schools they've got a demon school Mm -hmm. and so uh his advice to aruma is don't let anyone know you're human because they'll eat you definitely (laughs) um and so we pretty quickly get Aruma into the opening ceremonies uh, at school. And uh, Sullivan somehow coerces him into giving the opening speech for the entire class. Mm-hmm. Um, much to the disappointment of the actual top of the class, Asmodeus. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the process of giving the speech, Aruma accidentally starts reading from a spell book a very dangerous curse. And um, after subjecting the audience to that and taking over the place of the person who was supposed to give the speech, Asmodeus does confront him afterwards and challenges him to a duel. And Asmodeus is kind of set up to be like, oh, this is going to be your big rival who immediately has a problem. Yep. But because he's way more talented, he's immediately shooting fireballs at Irma. And Irma's able to dodge everything. Yes. Which is when we start to figure out like, okay. Yep. Yeah. So you you pretty quickly see that this plot point, plot device has already come into play in establishing him as like a way more powerful character than he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, just his like stupid abilities that he's gained as a human who has been in a rough childhood <laughs> yeah. um, is going to establish him in the school as being super powerful and very popular. It's interesting to me, and we'll see this more, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but all of these plot devices that I've seen so far Most of them have some basis in, like, reality. Like, they talk about Irma does not have any offense, like, offensive magic or abilities or anything. Yeah. But he has super high defense. And I think about this from, like, a 
psychological standpoint of somebody who's been in a lot of trauma tends to have hyper awareness. It's something I work with people all the time on. How do you relax once you're in a safe place? So I can see that this would be an actual thing for a a person that's been traumatized of having this hypervigilance of being constantly aware of all of their surroundings Mm -hmm. and making sure they avoid harm's way. Yep. Yeah, probably, especially in his case where it was like a very uh, desire to please uh, kind of scenario. Like he's not looking to piss Asmodeus off. No. He just wants to avoid the scenario and try to keep everyone calm and happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result of the end of this fight, Asmodeus, of course, which I think is a pretty common trope that we see is like, well, you defeated me, but you spared my life. <laughs> so I'm going to be your servant forever. Yep. And in reality, like the rest of the show, that appears to be they're just friends now. Yeah. Um, But this scene is immediately followed by a kind of similar circumstance to kind of further establish Iruma's power Mm -hmm. as a human, uh, where they meet Caligo, who is the grumpy homeroom teacher. (laughs) Classic anime. Yeah, I see. I I can't think of very many animes nowadays that don't have the begrudging homeroom teacher. Yeah, like My Hero Academia. It's the same thing. There's there's lots of these. Yeah, but it seeps into everything because it's kind of the Snape character yes, too, of course. Yes. And when they enter this class, and reminder that they're still in opening ceremonies. They mm-hmm. haven't like started school proper yet. Mm-hmm. Their first test towards determining their demonic rank, which is important in this world, mm-hmm. is to summon their familiar. And the power of the familiar and the rarity of the familiar that you summon is kind of in line with how much power you have as a demon. And the way that this plays out, and I super love this, is that because Irma is a human, when he goes to cast the summoning spell, instead of summoning a random creature, he summons a demon uh-huh. because, and this is, this is why I love this so much, this is something we see in pop culture all the time. We see it in horror movies. We see it everywhere. Humans can summon demons. Right. And through these circumstances, he summons his teacher. Right. Who then is bound contractually, at least for the next year, to be Irma's familiar. Yes. And I thought this was hilarious because... Like I said, this is something that we see in pop culture all the time. Absolutely, a human would be able to summon a familiar, typically they're demons. Yeah, I mean, any any kind of RPG too, like, uh, you know, conjuration magic is you're summoning a demonic creature or something like that. Um, and to kind of set this scene up, like, the entire interaction with this grumpy teacher up to this point has been, Iruma's a troublemaker, mm-hmm. he's really causing a ruckus at the school. Mm -hmm. And the way that Aruma is actually acting is 
really timid because he knows he doesn't have demon powers. He knows that he's not powerful, and he knows that if he tips anyone off to being human, he's going to be eaten. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so he's going out of his way to not cause trouble and to uh, not start something. And every time he tries that, he ends up causing more focus on himself. Mm -hmm. And so by summoning the teacher as his familiar which no demon has ever done. Because demons can't summon demons. At least that's what people thought. Right. But now everyone realizes, oh, you can summon a demon. You must must be be, so powerful. Yeah, he must be the most powerful person Mm -hmm. alive. (laughs) And of course, Grumpy Teacher is now way more grumpy. Um, Because he turns into a cute little bird. (laughs) He he turns into a A fluffy bat bat creature, yeah. It's a fluffy, like the body of like a little baby penguin or a little baby chicken with bat wings. It's adorable. I love it. It looks very much like a woo bat. Smaller nose, but yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. kind of along those lines if, if you're familiar with the Pokemon. And... That's, of course, not particularly flattering for this teacher who's trying to assert himself as, you know, someone that they should be listening to. And a part that I'm sure is going to come up more later is that if familiars disobey their masters, punishment gets rained down on them from on high. Yeah. Some, Some lightning or something just strikes them right and so this teacher is now contractually obligated to not disobey but still teach irma yep so i'm sure that'll come up plenty um and i think that kind of establishes the first episode two episodes yeah somewhere in there and then we get a whole episode devoted to a new character that they meet um, kind of after their first, I guess it's still before they enter their classroom and start classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we meet Clara, mm-hmm. who we've seen this character, obviously, like in the intro and outro animations. She's going to be a main character through the show. Uh, and we've seen her kind of poking around different scenes, but she hasn't interacted with them up to this point. And uh, Clara um, kind of presents herself childlike. This is a demon high school, but uh, she approaches them as just wanting to play. She has a golden retriever personality. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about it. Um, (laughs) And so she subjects them to hours on end of playing games and making pretend and things like that. Mm-hmm. And we also learn that she has an ability. I don't know if it's part of her clothing or if it's inherent to her powers as a demon, but she can reproduce any objects or item that she has seen mm-hmm. from her pockets. Mm-hmm. And this to me indicates that she is probably the most powerful person in this universe. Yes. She has to be, right? Because it's not based on the size of the pocket. She has definitely pulled out a full-sized vending vending machine. machine, 
I always have a question with these powers, though. Is it, you know, based on what they actually physically have seen? Or can they, like, flip through a picture book of, like, you know, if you had a dictionary with all pictures, could you just... Doesn't seem to matter because she only produces snacks and drinks. I'm into it. Yeah. And toys Uh, for playing. Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, this isn't anything consistent with the rest of the demons we've seen Mm -mm. up to this point. Uh, you know, we've seen powerful, like, strength, and we've seen magic, um, but we haven't seen, like, superpower kind of stuff. You know, this isn't a My Hero quirk or anything mm-hmm. kind of scenario. But it does seem like we'll be seeing more of that as we get to know more of the students. It does seem like there are different kinds of demons. They aren't just like, okay... In this world, everyone can fly, so that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone can fly, and they have, you know, maybe they have pointy teeth, and, like, they can do magic, and that's it. It does seem like there are things that are specific demon to demon. So there might be a little bit of that, like, oh, what's kind of your... I'm not going to use the word quirk because of my hero, but what's your, you know, special, special ability or special whatever. Power, yeah. yeah. And so we spend this whole episode with Clara and Iruma, obviously, with his personality, is totally willing to engage with her in this play space, um, despite the fact that she pushes it way too far, keeps them busy for way too long, and Asmodeus, being Iruma's servant, is going along with it because Iruma is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of uncover that Clara has been bullied a lot and mostly used for her powers to produce snacks Mm -hmm. for people who don't actually want to play with her, uh, find her very annoying and, and kind of push her away as soon as they get what they need. And then, uh, she, she is kind of aware of this. She's pretty naive, like I said, with that childlike retriever kind of quality mm-hmm. um but i there is explicitly a scene where she kind of recognizes that they are mistreating her and that's when the uh vending machine is produced yeah and i think it's one of those things of just like i i'm willing to like put up with anything as long as like i just don't have to be alone that's kind of yeah how she ends up kind of communicating it is like, I don't care that they're using me because I, I just don't want to be alone. Like I still want people right. to play with. And so when Iruma comes in and is like, Hey, I don't need this stuff. Like I'd, I'd be willing to like hang out with you and play with you. Like without the snacks, she's like, well, screw all those other people. Like here's, yeah. and she literally throws a vending machine yeah. in somebody's face. Yeah, and then this episode kind of wraps up with them talking about like their whatever they've got going together as a trio. And uh Hiruma is like, Can can you guys be my friends? <laughs> you know, like an anime character. Mm-hmm. Um and they're like, Huh? Friend? What is that? What is this? Uh so that's apparently not a demon thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, up to this point we've seen that all the demons at the school interact normally. In friendly manners yeah. to each other. It's not like everyone is 
ridiculously selfish. They're yeah. just like, I don't know, normal selfish. It's not like this hostile demon thing where right. everyone's trying to Cut torture each other. Each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's a school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that kind of felt weird to me. I don't know that we needed to establish <laughs> the, the word friend doesn't exist in demon world. But Colin... The power of friendship yes. is going to be the theme of this show. Oh, it certainly is, because I forgot to mention that during the er- opening ceremonies, they sing their school uh, anthem, <laughs> yes. which is uh, essentially just like discussing how humans are good to eat and they're only useful for food <laughs> and they will subjugate the humans and... and Stuff like that. Yeah, every normal school, you know, song. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, and Aruma is just sitting there in the audience, like, "I'm gonna die, gonna die, gonna die, gonna die." Um, and so I, f- I feel like when they talk about, you know, friendship doesn't exist. That's not a concept we have. They all kind of interact normally with each other. We have not seen what their response is to encountering a human. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that's when they're going to turn into demons. Fair. And the the concept of like everyone, you know, being evil and killing each other and all that stuff only applies. In the context of humans right. being present. I see. Well, I can only imagine <laughs> the rifts in friendship when they start <laughs> to uncover that Iruma is a human. Nah. He, this is an isekai. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also entirely depends on how long this manga gets extended. Because if we, uh, you know, are 10 years from now and they're still making these, he's still going to be <laughs> not recognized as a human. Yeah, for sure. Uh, these four episodes wrap up with them starting their first day of actual school. And... Uh, Basically, Iruma wakes up to go to school that morning, and at the breakfast table, Sullivan is like, Oh, to help you uh, blend in better and not stand out too much, I made sure to put you in the Misfits class. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Clara and Asmodeus are also put into the same class. So that he'd have friends with him. Yes. And, um, and also plot points. The Misfit class is... Uh, Housed deep within this smelly cavern where they dump all their trash. Underneath the trash. Under the trash. The trash has a higher level up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> below the trash. And uh, like way off from the main campus and away from everyone else where they can't cause that much trouble. And uh, lo and behold, it is the same homeroom teacher. <laughs> Naturally. Um, who is Aruma's familiar. Mm-hmm. And uh, we meet a couple of the other people in the Misfit class. Uh, there's Sabnok Sabro, who's this powerful, kind of big, hulking demon guy mm-hmm. um, who kind of reveals the ranking system at the school, which is that there are 10 ranks, and the 10s are called Yodes, and they are the ones who are chosen for the throne mm-hmm. that has remained unoccupied. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of set up as the opposite of Irma. He has this desire to rule the the demon world, 
which I think they call the netherworld, with a military-like oppression. And so if he's going to stay around, then I think he's going to be like the contrast to Irma and to Mm -hmm. say like, oh, this is why, you know, Irma is so successful is because everybody thinks like this guy, you know, everybody thinks "Ah, I need to bring everybody into line and, you know, dominate everyone. And Irma is going to bring them together with friendship. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. And and Sabnock even talks about like how he intentionally picks fights with, teachers because he sees them as higher rank and if he can overtake them then he can get to the next rank so that's why he ends up in the misfit class Mm -hmm. seems correct yes appropriate (laughs) and uh so this class kind of starts out with them having their first having this uh exam i guess where they will be put into their initial ranks and um like you kind of alluded to earlier all the demons can fly because they just have wings. Yep. Um, and so they get to this exam and they're in like this dangerous valley and their goal is to get to the finish line first. And uh, they all just take off flying and Aruma can't do anything. Nope. And so the teacher just shoves him off the cliff because he's mm-hmm. not moving. Right. And um, the episode essentially ends with Iruma accidentally being carried off to the guardian of this valley and it's uh, a big bird Mm -hmm. and it has a baby bird Mm -hmm. in this nest Mm -hmm. and um here's here's another good anime (laughs) trope for you it has a hurt leg yeah and so uh, Iruma manages to convince him to like let him wrap up the leg and help Mm -hmm. treat it Mm -hmm. instead of eating him and uh, this is where we learn that human blood has healing properties in this world. Mm-hmm. Sure, that won't come up ever again. It's not valuable mm. to anybody. Definitely not why they all want to eat them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I did not put that together, yep. but that makes sense. <laughs> they probably get super powerful if they yep. eat humans. Probably. That makes sense. <laughs> and so if, if the whole goal of this world is to ascend ranks and to obtain the throne, mm-hmm. then this show <laughs> is Game of Thrones. Oh, no. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and with that, we will take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the... Uh, production elements of the show. You and I are going to need to have a talk. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to the show. Okay. (laughs) The talk didn't go well, clearly. You have entered the demon world. Kayla, what did you think about the production? I can't. (laughs) Anyways, I don't really have much to say about 
like the animation style itself. It's, there's nothing really to write home about. It's, it's not bad. Like I've seen some bad anime. Um, but I couldn't look at something in the show and be like, ah, look at this thing that they did really well. It's, it's pretty standard. Um, the thing that probably stands out the most to me is in the character designs. The first big thing I'd probably note is that all the main characters are color blocked. So Irma is blue. Mm-hmm. He has blue hair, blue eyes. Incidentally, the uh, the uniforms that they wear are also blue. Uh, Clara is green. Um, She's got kind of a watermelon thing going on, too. Yeah, because the girl's uniform is pink, so she's in green and pink. Asmodeus is pink, so he has pink hair and pink lashes. And he wears a different uniform, so (laughs) for some unknown reason. It's like in Persona, where they all just wear (laughs) not the school uniform. Yeah, unless you're background characters, and then absolutely you just wear it. Uh, The teacher, Caligo, is purple. And I don't know if he's a main character, but the fact that he's color blocked has made me believe that he is. But Sabro is yellow. Yeah. Um, So the only main character that I've seen that isn't color blocked is Sullivan. Right. And that's mostly because he doesn't have any hair or eyes. He just has like line. He wears glasses. So he has like lines under through his glasses. But I would probably guess his color would be white because he sure. wears white and purple. So his hair is probably white. I mean, also that his defining feature is that he's old. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's pretty easy to spot him amongst the high schoolers in the rest of the show. So usually when I see color blocked people and there are some more that we haven't met yet, but I've either seen them in the background of scenes or I've seen them in the intro and outro. They are also color blocked people. Usually when I see color blocked characters... I think this show is designed for kids because they want kids to be able to distinguish characters very easily. Like think of any of the Super Sentais, you know, Power Rangers, you know, a lot of you can go into the history of the Disney princesses and why they're color blocked the way that they are. It's a lot about character recognition. But from everything that I've seen, this show is still designed for teenagers Yeah, and I think um, this probably, I mean, you could probably gather this from our discussion about the story, given that we had an entire episode just about Clara wanting to play and making friends and being bullied. Like, there are a lot of uh, young themes in this show. And I think, like you said, the character designs kind of are some of the strongest indicators that, like, maybe this is for a younger audience. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're very childlike. There's nothing sexualized about basically any character. Yeah. And, yeah, o- overall, like, there there hasn't been anything, uh, like, wildly inappropriate or anything like that. It, it has been kind of, like, towing this line a little bit um, to where it's not super, you know... It's not an educational show. It's not uh, that kind of thing. Right. But maybe on the younger side of like a shonen audience. Yeah. 
I could see that it might start gearing up if they increase the violence, which is something they tend to be more sensitive about with ratings. Um, in in other cultures, they tend to rate things higher for violence than we do here in the States. So it could be that the show ends up depicting more violence. It hasn't really depicted any so far because Iruma's really good at dodging. The only other thing I would say about character design is that Iruma is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Um, and has basically the same powers. Yeah. At some point, he does roll into a ball with blue. He's all blue. He's a ball and he has spikes because his hair is also somewhat spiky. He has huge eyes. He is blue. He can dodge anything. He is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Uh, and he has a very active Ajo game. Also, I've seen this in the intro and he hasn't gotten it yet. He does wear a gold ring. I'm just saying uh-huh. he's Sonic. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the only other character design thing I'll mention is uh, with Sullivan, something that they do with him frequently is when he goes into grandpa mode, <laughs> when he's like real proud of Aruma and very excited for him, he'll turn into like this egg kind yeah. of shape character um and that's real fun and cute that's all i have <laughs> it's to the say best. i want like a squishy version of yeah. him <laughs> and uh also uh as a plush of the teacher in his familiar form <laughs> yes both both of these things i want uh otherwise my last production note i would say is about the intro and outro mostly about the music the animation is pretty consistent throughout the show But the intro and outro music is rough, especially the intro. I am not into it. It's this weird pseudo hip hop pop song. It's extremely repetitive. I have no idea what they're saying because it doesn't translate. Yeah, the the subs for the theme song are not in English. They're still in kanji. So that's I I definitely can't understand it when it's in kanji. Yeah, hiragana or whatever. Mm hmm. The outro's a little better. Uh, it gives me some major Kobayashi intro vibes. I don't know if that's because we've been watching the new season of Kobayashi. It's mostly just the female characters like singing this cutesy song together, which that's how the intro for Kobayashi is. It's better. It's not great, but it's better than the intro, which is not good. Yeah, I mean... I equate the intro to uh, if you had played one of the early DDR games (laughs) uh, for like the PlayStation 2, Mm -hmm. that would be the budget song that they tossed in because they couldn't get licenses for anything that people like. Yeah. And so it has a very like late 90s, early 2000s dance kind of construction, Mm -hmm. like people first getting their hands on digital kind of production (laughs) tools and synthesizers Mm -hmm. uh, and sampling and stuff. And then, yeah, bad, like, rap sections Mm -hmm. and very repetitive lyrics Mm -hmm. um, did did not do it for me. No. Um, I noticed a couple of times that the score in the show is kind of interesting. Um, I didn't hear it used a whole lot, but especially, like, I remember the first time that you see the Demon School There's kind of a long pan over, you know, the like stereotypical lightning flashing Mm -hmm. and like 
demons all flying in the sky towards <laughs> the school. And it's playing like heavy metal guitar chords. Mm -hmm. And there's like a, a kind of spooky harpsichord in a minor <laughs> key. You know, sounds like a, a bad dream theater or something. <laughs> and then it pretty seamlessly transitions into like a major key, uh, almost like carnival music, like mm -hmm. still kind of evoking horror, mm -hmm. but as grandpa is like bouncing <laughs> around in his egg form on screen, it's mm -hmm. like do 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 do. Um and some of some of that stuff was fun, like mm -hmm. obviously poking at how uh this is supposed to be such a scary place mm -hmm. for Aruma, mm -hmm. but it's all nonsense yeah. and nobody is scary and stuff like that. Well and it's this weird sort of position that he's in that his life is literally on the line because humans can and will be eaten in the demon world. But also this is the safest that he's ever been. Like this is the first yeah. time that he's had a guardian who cares about him, who's like checking in on him, who provides for him. He has friends for the first time. He's doing well in life, but also he's under constant threat of being exposed and then thus eaten. Yeah. And, if I if I had to kind of wrap up my overall thoughts about the show, it kind of uh, it kind of transitions from that nicely in just the sense that there really isn't anything unique or interesting about the core concept. Mm -hmm. You know, Isekai is an Isekai. Yeah. He's <laughs> put from one world into another, and he mm -hmm. has to survive in the new world. Mm -hmm. But what they do is make really good use of the environment, whether that's through music and kind of visual interaction uh, or just the way that they've kind of sequentially introduced these characters into his life to um, kind of provide the things that he didn't have in his previous world to set up this interesting dichotomy of I'm going to be eaten, I'm going to fall off a cliff, I'm going to be <laughs> eaten by a big bird. Mm -hmm. Um to I'm outrageously powerful, <laughs> I have a demon familiar, mm -hmm. I have a servant, and I have close friends, and I have a grandpa, and I live <laughs> yeah. in a mansion. Right. Um, and I, I really think if they can play with that dichotomy well and continue doing that, um, they could do some pretty interesting, fun things with it. Um, you know, there are a few tropes and cliches sure. as any show. Yeah. But I think especially because it's kind of towing that line between being uh, for younger audiences, maybe young teenagers or something like that, and kind of being more broadly uh, accessible as an isekai. Mm -hmm. um, and this is not, you know, Konosuba or right, anything right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're not going to have the innuendo that only 13-year-olds think is funny. Right. Um, At least not so far. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't anticipate a lot of that, yeah, especially yeah. long-term. But maybe not everything lands for us as 30-year-olds. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Whoa, outing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, and I think that's especially abundantly clear to me in the character of Clara, who is a lot. Yeah. There's a lot for me right now. <laughs> In that episode, 
did not endure me to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the interaction with those three characters and them becoming friends is nice and sweet, mm-hmm. but also they laid it on very thick. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they can even out that character over time. Yeah. Um, still making her like fun and not burdened by being, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, obsessed with ascending the throne and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And she can be kind of the more light, fun character mm-hmm. without it just being constantly screaming and jumping at people and <laughs> stuff like that. You've never had a golden retriever friend, have you? No. <laughs> yeah, I think I have pretty similar thoughts. Mine was more along the lines of, I think this show could be fun if it's going to have an intentional path. I am real tired of these shows that kind of upfront let you know what the ending's going to be. The same way that My Hero let you know, like, Spoilers, it says it in the first episode, like Deku's going to be the greatest hero. Yep. That's what he's, he's like, this is my story of how I became the greatest hero. This show does the same thing in the story intro that it tells every single episode. It doesn't say it, but it shows Iruma on the throne. (laughs) It's very clearly him. Like it looks like a more grown up version of him, but it's very clearly his hair. You know that it's this dude. Yeah. I'm concerned that we're going to have 10 plus seasons of us watching this happen. And I'm hoping that wouldn't be the case. I'm hoping that because this show seems like it's less dramatic than something like a My Hero or, a, you know, the Naruto of wanting to become the Hak... I forget what it is. Hakoge? Something. The, like, chief person. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking I've about. I've only watched <laughs> very little of Naruto. I'm hoping that because the show is lighter, it doesn't seem to be as dramatic as something like My Hero, that we will get to the point faster. So if the show can be like a maybe a three to four season thing, I think that could be really good. I think I could enjoy this. And I'm just hoping that I don't have to invest the next few years And I don't think I would. So that's my only concern, is that this would follow the pattern of some of the other animes that we've seen Mm -hmm. that really draw out the storyline forever. So, I mean, generally, um, you know, based on kind of this presupposition that maybe it does have an ending in sight, uh, whether or not... Uh, we know how soon that's going to (laughs) come. Would you choose to watch more of this show? I'm going to say yes. I don't know for how long. I don't even know if I would be willing to go into season two. I've enjoyed it so far. Episode four ended at a kind of cliffhanger, and I definitely was... As soon as we turned it off. He knocked him off a cliff in episode four. (laughs) Okay, yes. Okay, at the end of episode four, they're in the middle of a thing. And when we ended the episode, I was like, what? (laughs) So I do at least want to know maybe the next few things that happen. Maybe that'll mean that this is something I end up following if it 
Like I said, if it feels like it's going somewhere but not dragging out unnecessarily, yes. I'm not committing to a very, I don't think I would stay with this if it turned into a long form series. Yeah, uh, and I'm pretty much going to say the same thing, which is um, I would definitely watch some more of this. And, um, you know, um, I don't necessarily know how long I would commit to it, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd give it at least a little bit longer. Hey, that's exciting. I definitely thought we were going to be on different pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at anamonday.moe. That's anamonday.moe. You can send us questions and comments to podcast at anamonday.moe. And you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Um, our username is anamondaycast, and you can find links for that on our website. Announcement time. So if you've been watching the anime industry at all, you uh, might know that in 2017, Sony acquired Funimation. And I'll try to keep this brief because uh, I know we've been talking for a little bit. <laughs> um, but there had been talks also that they would eventually also acquire Crunchyroll. That deal did complete last week. So... Um, Officially, Funimation and Crunchyroll are now one company under the Sony banner. This has happened sort of once before mm -hmm. uh, when Crunchyroll launched Verve in 2016. Mm -hmm. They partnered up to offer uh, both services available under one fee through Verve. Yep. And then when Sony acquired them the next year, they were like, nope. You're not doing that. <laughs> and that's why and they're so separate apps. They pulled Funimation off of Verve. Mm -hmm. And so now Verve is way less useful. Yep. Um, but the good immediate news of this acquisition is that uh, they have said they will be combining the services at some point in the near future. Meaning you, you pay one time, you get access to everything that's been in Funimation and Crunchyroll because they, they own all the licenses now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bad news is, uh, you know, there there's probably going to be a lot of work to get Kitsu up to date Yep. to make whatever database things need to happen and migrations to make that work. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the randomizer is probably going to be a little funky um, <laughs> eventually. Yeah. But that does allow us in the future uh, to have more anime that we could randomly encounter. Yeah. Uh, which would be great because there is lots of stuff on Funimation that we watch in our off time. And mm -hmm. maybe, you know, we'll have a chance to roll some of those and get some more dubs in there, yeah. which I know we appreciate sometimes. Yeah. But long term, shield yourself because <laughs> it's going to get expensive. Yes. Capitalism's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're secretly going to make you pay more yep. with their monopoly. We're sorry. Um, and we'll try, you know, as these things happen, we'll try and figure out how to make it the most accessible, either if that means, you know, keeping something like our random button on the website, whatever it means, we'll let you know any changes that we make on our end. Yeah, because we've always wanted this to be something that, you know, we didn't want to randomly roll on Netflix and Hulu and uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation and high high dive or yeah. whatever and 
all of these places and then talk about them and then you not be able to go watch them. Right. So with Crunchyroll kind of being one of the larger databases and them having the random button, we just went straight for that. And so now this will give us a little bit more wiggle room. Mm -hmm. So I guess uh, final plugs for the show. Do check out the randomizer at animonday.moe slash random. Uh, I've made some updates there that I think you will enjoy. Uh, there's some permalinks, and you can now uh, look at like related series and stuff like that. Um, and so that uh, is growing nicely. Finally, thanks to C2A for providing the intro and outro music for our show, which come from Senpai 2 EP, which is available on his Bandcamp and other major streaming services. But do definitely go listen to Senpai 3 because it is a masterpiece. Of, it's super great. Of uh, very, very fun anime-inspired music. <laughs> Are we ready to roll? I believe so. Uh, I have not bookmarked my own randomizer, so I'm having to shame, type shame. that in right now. Shame, shame. All right. Random button in. Three, two, one... I always look to your face and your face is very, <laughs> I don't like this face. What is this face? Okay. Um, our anime for the week is Digimon Fusion. No. <laughs> no. Why? <laughs> oh, man. We got to find the first episode. I have only seen like classic original Digimon. I Barely watched original Digimon. I don't know how to actually say his name. I only know it as Tai. Taiki? I'm going to say Taiki. And the first episode is Taiki Goes to Another World. <laughs> Digimon Isekai. Wait, but <laughs> I thought he already went to the other world. Right, so I don't know anything about Digimon. Um, oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, boy. Back to... Uh, okay, so speaking of children's anime... <laughs> I was not in the right demographic for this when it came out. Mm -hmm. I was too deep into Pokemon. I didn't get on the Yu-Gi-Oh train. And Digimon yep. like just missed that window for me. So, uh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, all of my friends were Pokemon mm -hmm. as well. And I think we talked about Digimon and tried to watch it a couple times. Mm -hmm. And it did not click. Um but I know there are hardcore people who say Digimon is better. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Telling me that <laughs> you can compare it all to the games, mm -hmm. especially. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll try to go into this open-minded, Colin. I guess so. <laughs> oh, man. 90s throwback. I'm ready. Change into life. <laughs> I guess it's not 90s. Is this 2000s? Oh, man. I keep thinking everything was the 90s and that the 90s were like 15 years ago. Well, Fusion, I guess, started in 2010. Oh, jeez. So. <laughs> well. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is definitely a newer series. I, I don't know if we need to know anything about Digimon going into it. I was definitely a full, full-grown adult at that point. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. All right. Well, <laughs> that's going to do it for us this week. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah, we appreciate it. And we're glad to be back for two episodes in a row. And 
Let's make it a third. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. I still love your note that says, do some banter here, if applicable. <laughs> That's not what mine applicable. has anymore. <laughs> what does yours say? Mine just says banter. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I write something next to banter. <laughs> oh, you come with pre-banter? Yeah. Okay.